Welcome to the One City Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people draw closer to God by practicing the way of Jesus. We hope that your time with us blesses you and that you're able to see the invitations of Jesus to experience the love that he has for you. Thank you guys so much for for being here. Um, You know, we've been on the series of drawing closer to God, and I know that that isn't something that's easy. The closer we draw to God, the more that things come up and we kind of hit ceilings, we kind of hit bumps along the road. And, and the reason why they're hard sometimes is because we don't have the words to kind of contextualize it. So the series is kind of walking us through some of those challenges, some of those road bumps, some of those things that we will kind of go up against, especially when we're sitting in the silence, because the silence can be very, very, very uncomfortable. So imagine that you are off doing an errand at your, locally, at your local grocery store, and as you're looking for a parking spot, you notice a young family with two kids. One is a baby and the other is a toddler. The young family is making their way into the grocery store, And the father's holding the hand of the toddler as they walk, and the mother's pushing the stroller along the way. You don't think much of it, but in your mind you think, what an adorable family. About 20 minutes later, you have in your cart the few things that you needed from the grocery store. And you're ready to make your way into the cash register, and you remember that you forgot something. And you turn the corner into the aisle, of where your last item is located, and you hear screams that shake you to the, and shock you like a shock of electricity that runs all through your body. The loud screams indicate that someone is in serious trouble, in some serious pain. So you look to see what it could be and what's going on. And as you look around, you notice on the ground several feet in front of you the cute toddler that you had seen as you were parking just screaming bloody murder. What you also see is the dad standing right on top of the toddler trying to get the child to stop. You feel the embarrassment, the shame that the dad must be going through. So you give a little smile, maybe a little bit a wave, you acknowledge the struggle You grab your item, and you walk away. What I just described to you is a common episode in the life of a family who has a human in the toddler stage of life. You might know this stage, if you you don't have kids, you might know this stage is commonly referred to as the terrible twos. The terrible twos can be defined as a stage where children from the ages two to three go through rapid shifts of mood and behavior. But what's key is, we were also toddlers at one point. We went through those tantrums. And how our parents, and even today as parents, we react to these situations are actually very formative in our development as children. Between the ages of birth and five years old, the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain that's right behind our foreheads, is actually being developed. And this is the area that's responsible for the emotional awareness, empathy, along with logic and reason. 
The relational response to these situations is very formative in the shaping of our hearts. But most importantly, in the way in which our family of origin shows us the language of emotions. The language that encompasses how to process, how to understand and express our emotions is what shapes the way that we also relate to those around us. Now, we live in Southern California, right? Right now, we just experienced a blizzard. Very uncommon. But something that's very common for this region are wildfires, especially during the summer. Now, I don't know if you know this, but when there's a wildfire, the firefighters don't try to put it out right away. What do they do? They try to contain it, right? They try to work it and contain it to where it's like in a controllable state, and then they work effortlessly to put it out. In the wake of that trying to control, they're trying to make sure that, the, that they minimize the damage that the fire will do. Our emotions are very much like a wildfire. When we don't know how to understand them, how to process them and express them, they run rampant. But when we're able to process them, understand them, and take them up to God, there's a control that takes place. Our ability to be able to process, understand, and express our emotions shape the way that we are able to connect with God. As a parent, the terrible twos are terrible not because the toddler's inability to process, understand, and express their emotions, which is very true, but because it sheds light into our own ability or inability to process, understand, and express our own emotions. Our feelings and emotions are a natural part of life. They are what make us human. But they also present a problem when we don't know how to process, understand, and ultimately express them. Look at what Dallas Willard says. He says, feelings and emotions are, with a few exceptions, good servants, but they are terrible masters. Here's the problem that we all face. In the world today, feelings and emotions are secondary to thinking and analysis and doctrines and practical steps to a better life. And as a church, capital C, we're very quick to point people to believe in the promises of God and do good at the expense of the feelings and emotions that people feel. But this approach is hurtful because it neglects something that's very key, something that makes us human. Dismissing, oppressing, and disrespecting our emotions is a problem that leads to unwise thinking as we draw closer to God. It leads us to actually stall our spiritual growth. When we dismiss and oppress our feelings and emotions, we become lost. We become unable to do some, um, we become unable to do, uh, to be able to find ourselves and become the person that we are created to be. Logic and reason are, are an essential part of being human, but for better or for worse, so are our emotions. 
We do not go out and about in this world just thinking about our relationships with God and people. That's not how we relate to people. There's another element to it. There's an emotional experience that is an essential part to our lives as well. Without emotions, we become disconnected from people and from God. I think we can all agree that our feelings and emotions don't necessarily follow our thoughts. But it's our thoughts that follow our feelings and emotions. Now, it can be hard to wrap our minds around God being full of emotion and feelings. Partly because it's rarely thought, uh, taught in church settings. But when we look closely at the character of God, we see that the way he moves the way he acts and interacts with the people in the Bible, and even us, shows that there's a lot of emotion and feeling that motivate his actions. Take, for example, the story of creation. In the story of creation, God sees Adam and is moved by love and compassion. A deep motivating emotions. And he said, it's not good for man to be alone. So I will make a, a helper corresponding to him. Out of God's love and compassion is what compelled him to create Eve. After sin enters and God is seen walking in the garden, he's seen walking in the garden and Adam went into hiding and God asked, where are you, Adam? Now God wasn't scratching his head trying to figure out like they were playing a game of hide and go seek, right? He wasn't having a hard time finding Adam. He knew where he was. It was a question that pertained to the loving relationship that he once had with Adam. It was that love that compelled and gave Adam an opportunity to, to come forth and say, here I am. To be open, for Adam to be open about his feelings and emotions, the guilt and the shame that he felt. And to take that to God, but instead he did the opposite. He chose to hit. He chose to dismiss and oppress those feelings which led, them, led him into hiding. But what we see is the enemy heightening the guilt and shame inside of Adam from the failure of disobedience. Again, he dismissed and oppressed his emotions. When we read in the Old Testament, we can see how emotion is woven in the character of God. Three primary examples are from the Shema, a prayer that the Jewish people held dear to their hearts. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord, um, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your might. There's deep emotion. There's a deep expression in that prayer. Also, the Psalms are full of emotion. They proclaim the writer's emotion to a God who already knows the human heart. There's lament. There's joy. There's an anxiety of life that's being poured out in the Psalms. The songs in the Psalm not only represent the heart of the writers, but they also encompass the feelings and the emotions of the entire community together as people. One last example that we read about is in the book of Hosea. 
His teachings are governed by personal emotions, by love, anger, and disappointment. But the author also lends his emotions to be the words of God, the feelings of God himself. Listen to what God says in Genesis and creation. Then God said, let us make human beings as our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God, and he created them both male and female. So if God is full of emotions, feelings, and passions, I think it's safe to say that our feelings, emotions, are also a part of being human because we are created in his image. And it leads us to look at Jesus to learn how we can process, understand, and express our emotions. I was reading um, this morning, and it just caught my eye, but it was, and I forgot that, I think it was Michael Card, uh, Card uh, he was explaining that a human emotion is a, is a, hu- is a, it's a felt human experience. It's a, one way of, of defining it. I thought it was a great definition. So it's our emotions are our human felt experiences. So it's important for us to be aware that our emotions are powerful. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you are called to learn how to process, understand, and express them. Because our ability to be able to do that or our inability to navigate our emotions can lead us closer to God or steer us away. Our emotions go hand in hand with our thoughts. They are side by side. They are not meant to be pinned up against each other. So we need to learn how to integrate both our emotions and our thoughts. We need to learn how to befriend our emotions. Even scripture is never on one side of denying our emotions, but also learning to befriend them. Henry Nouwen said this, he said, befriend your emotions because this leads us to be known and loved. Love that. Our journey of discovering God in the secret places of our hearts leads us to, fa- uh, leads us to become face-to-face with our emotions. Our emotions reveal the, tr- the truth about ourselves and what is at the core of our values and our beliefs. This is partly why it's so difficult and hard to sit in the silence to rest in God because we come face to face with the feelings and emotions that we have dismissed and oppressed and wanted to forget about for, for, for years sometimes. Feelings and emotions that we don't recognize and that we don't understand and for the most part we don't know how to process and express them. So they make us antsy. They make us uncomfortable when it comes to sitting still with God. When we look at the life of Jesus, we can read how he was aware of his feelings and emotions and how he processed them, understood them, and was able to express them through his actions. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted or tested like as we are yet without sin. There are a few examples 
of Jesus showing emotion in the scriptures. Jesus was moved by grief when it came to Lazarus. He, was, he wept. Jesus was moved with compassion of the broken heart of the single mother whose son had died. Jesus was praying for his disciples and wanted them to experience the same joy that he was experiencing. Jesus showed anger, frustration. He even flipped tables. These are just a few examples where Jesus showed emotion and was moved towards action. Our emotions and feelings are not bad. How we choose to act from the emotion that we feel is what can lead us to sin or bring glory to God. So I want us to look at this particular example in Matthew uh, chapter 4, where I think it's, it's, it's clear how Jesus learned to process, understand, and express his emotions in the midst of some, of some pressure, of, of, some, of a challenging time. But before that, one of the spiritual disciplines that we see is that Jesus was always retreating to a place of silence and solitude. This unseen space is where Jesus came to learn, to process, understand, and express his emotions. He was doing this daily. He was always retreating to a, a place of silence and solitude. Oftentimes we imagine that this space of silence is where we're going to encounter the Spirit of God. Nothing happens. We think that silence and solitude is just a place where it's just going to be us and us alone. But if you've ever tried to be silent for an extended period of time, you know that this is not the case. We bring everything with us. We bring all of our baggage into that space. Going into the space means learning to silence the mind because when we sit in the silence, we come face to face with some of the feelings, emotions that create anxiety and restlessness. So we go from our minds, what we think, and the other layer is our emotions. And a lot of us get uncomfortable because that's an unknown land. So we come back to our thoughts. But how do we use our emotions to be the vehicles that drive us further down? At once, the Spirit sent Jesus out into the desert. And he was in the desert for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended to him. I want us to look at the temptations of Jesus through the lens of emotion. First, the Spirit of God led Jesus into the desert. If you ask me, it doesn't get more desolate than a desert. It doesn't get more lonely than a desert. It doesn't get more challenging and more trialing than a desert. Because even the weather sh uh, changes, the, the shifts are drastic. From hot to extreme cold. Or from cold to extreme cold. Telling this story in the Gospel of Luke mentions that Jesus was, with, uh, was out for 40 days on his own. And when it was over, that's when the enemy came to try him. 
40 days of Jesus learning how to process his emotion, the spectrum of emotions while being hungry, thirsty, tired, cold, and hot. One of the things that Jesus learned in this time in the wilderness was the language of emotions. Being able to identify them, he's then able to understand what they motivate him to do. Emotions motivate our actions. For Jesus, it was learning what these emotions led him to and learning how to take them to God. We typically read this passage, it's easy to to look at the temptations of Jesus and just take them at face value. But the temptations that Jesus went through were like a math test, testing if Jesus really knew, not just cognitively, the truths about God, but to allow himself to actually experience these truths as well. And they can set as a framework for us that if we allow ourselves to see the humanity of Jesus in the midst of these temptations through his emotions, we can see the implications that they have for us as well. Jesus learned how to process his emotions. He learned what they were, what they felt inside of him. He was able to label them and move through them. He was able to express them through his actions by learning to share those emotions with his father first and then being able to follow the promptings of the Spirit to touch those around him by the motivation that that sprung from those emotions. The devil isn't trying to sway Jesus to try to get him to change his mind about his call and purpose during these temptations. He was trying to instill guilt, shame, and fear Emotions that would most likely get him, lead him to fail. So here's the first temptation. If you are the son of God, he tells them, tell these stones to become bread. The devil approached Jesus after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. The accounts in the gospel make a reference that he was very hungry. So imagine the emotions that run through you and I when we go a few hours without eating, when we skip a meal, just ask yourself, you don't have to answer it out loud, but what are you like? You friendly? You nice? You loving? Probably not. I'm sure, I know I'm, I'm sure not. I seem to go from one side of the spectrum to the other when, it, when I'm hungry. What the devil tried to do is capitalize on what he assumed that Jesus' emotions would lead him to, which was a place of desperation. He felt like Jesus' desperation would be, he would be overwhelmed by his emotions to make wrong decisions. But notice Jesus' response. He says, it is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus processed his emotions, recollected who had been nurturing him and caring for him while he was alone. His time in silence and solitude was not time that was spent alone. The Father revealed himself to be faithful to Jesus 
in the most desolate of situations. Jesus was able to recollect that the Father's love is what truly nurtured his soul. That's how Jesus was able to fight against that. That temptation of desperation. Let's move on to the second temptation. The devil took him to the holy city, had him standing on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. The devil tried to persuade Jesus by trying to use his emotions to, leave, to make Jesus feel overwhelmed. For Jesus' emotions to try to get him to take control into his own hands. How many times don't we, our weakness... We feel overwhelmed. Allow our, our emotions to persuade us. In the moments of confusion, in the storms of our lives, we cave into the weight of our emotions and seek, com- and seek comfort in anything and everything to forget and numb what we're going through. Jesus' response, he says, do not test the Lord your God. Jesus understood the power that emotions can have in the human heart. The power that can sway us away from God or can bring us towards Him. He learned not to be controlled by His emotions and in understanding that the source of strength came from God the Father. So He leans in, places the power of His his being in the hands of God. That is how He was able to ride this out. The third temptation. Again, the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all of these if you will fall down and worship me. What the devil was trying to do in his final attempt was to manipulate Jesus by using his emotions so that he could act out impulsively in a way that would lead him towards defeat. Think about how many times feeling of defeat comes over us when we allow our emotions to be expressed in unhealthy ways. Yelling and screaming and frustration or even in our sinful exterior uh, habits. Jesus' response is, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus' expression of worshiping God in the midst of everything that was going on is the expression of Jesus being able to process, understand, and give himself to God. The ultimate sign of maturity, the ability to not do what he wants to do, but to do what's right and necessary at the time. For us to be able to sit still in the silence and solitude can feel like a wilderness experience because of our own inability to process all that's going on inside of us. The temptations that we face in those spaces are the same ones that Jesus experienced in his trials. 
So when we use this space to learn the language of our emotions, we're then able to navigate the depths of our own heart. Meaning, it's about sitting there and inviting the spirit to say, what, what, what's going on? What, what am I feeling? Help me understand this emotion that seems to be crippling me, that seems to be overpowering me in this moment. Where does this come from? Where's its origin? Where's its genesis? Learning the language of our emotions is something that doesn't come natural or easy. For some of us, this is foreign territory. This is a part of the journey to discovering God in our own lives. I'll tell you how this manifests itself with our kids. You know, one of the biggest lessons I've had with my, with my four-year-old is telling, being able to not say no to him. No is a stifling word. I never realized that. If he comes here and runs around, he does it a lot, he'll want to come and play over here in the altar. I'm very quick to say, no, no, don't do that. It's stifling. Because internally, I may not realize it, well, I'm realizing now, but internally, I'm casting my own projection of emotions onto him. Of like, I'm going to get in trouble if anything happens here. He's not going to get in trouble. I am. So I'm projecting onto him by a simple two-letter word. No. Or when he's running around because he's super excited and he's screaming at the top of his lung, lungs while his sister's sleeping. She should, don't, because your sister's sleeping. What am I doing? I'm projecting onto him. I'm casting guilt. Because what I'm saying is, because of you, you're, you cannot be yourself because of your sister. And deep down what I'm doing is I'm slowly teaching him to create resentment towards his sister. And his sister didn't do anything, but it's me. It's me. So what happens is that's what he learns. That's what he takes on, and that's what transitions to his relationship with God. It, it's, 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 it happens like subconsciously. Our parents did the best they could with what they had. We do the best we can with what we have. But unless we take the time to sit down and understand what's under the cover, what's under the hood of our own hearts, we are going to walk around stifling those around us. Not saying perfection. You should have seen me up in the mountains this past week. I was a stress ball. I was. I was short with my son because he didn't understand. I'll never forget. On Thursday, uh, I, think it was like, I think it was like Friday night, before we went to bed, I went to my, my, my wife and I cried in front of her. And I said, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I feel out of control. I want to protect you. I want to protect my children, and I can't. I want to get you home, but I can't. And I'm also scared to drive home. Because the way people are describing the, the conditions of the road, I am scared. I've never driven in that type of terrain. 
I don't know if I can get us safely home. That's the responsibility that I'm carrying. In tears. Probably one of the best moments of, of the whole trip. And I said, I'm scared too. But God's with us. He'll see us home. It's a reminder. It took vulnerability. It took me understanding and expressing to her my emotions. Now, this is something that I've had to learn that I'm still learning. This is a journey of the soul. This is a journey of our hearts. When we first learn to process, understand, and express our emotions with God first, our emotions serve as vehicles towards the uncovering those depths. And it naturally overflows into our relationships with others. I cannot have that level of intimacy with my wife, that level of vulnerability, if I, ha if I, if I hadn't experienced that level of vulnerability and intimacy with God first. That's how the dynamic works. It's, 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 the, it's, the, it's the vertical relationship with God where we learn with him the depths of our own hearts, where he shows us what our emotions are with him first. And it naturally overflows horizontally towards others. A lot of the times we get those backwards. Here's what happens. When we express them, when we try to navigate with others horizontally first, they're human too. They're human. So when I project or I share with her an emotion with my wife, because it's happened, she all, she, it, it triggers her. She has a response to my emotions. And if that response is not healthy and it's not processed and it's not understood or expressed well, it has a ricocheting effect on me. So it damages me. It makes me feel not safe. It makes me feel like I can't be vulnerable with her. So when it comes to going with God, I'm afraid to. I'm scared to. Because I don't think he's going to be safe. I don't think I can trust him with my heart. Because if my wife, the, the closest, the safest person can't, what makes me believe that he can't? That's why our relationship with God starts first and primary. And it's hard because it's not tangible. It's hard because it can't be seen. But the fruits are experienced relationally with those next to you, with those around you. It has to go horizontally first. And then it naturally overflows with the relationships of those closest to us. It has to be with God first, others second. Look at the great commandment from Jesus' words. He says, love God and then love others. So we must go to those depths with God first and with others second. It'll be a natural overflow. It'll be a natural byproduct. When we get this right, our emotions now begin to move from being our masters to being servants because we're surrendering them. We're taking them 
to the Father. And they begin to, to, to take on its natural origin, which is to be guides towards deeper intimacy with Jesus. Our emotions will lead us to discover Jesus and discover a different dimension of the Father's love in our lives. This is what befriending our emotions look like. And it's going to take years. It's going to take time. This is the journey of our lives. This is the pilgrimage of our lives. So what is Jesus inviting you to today? 